Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we are here talking about all the things going on in the Big Ten. We have one game to recap, and then we have tons of news. We have the transfer portal. We have the Power 2 possibly coming of the conferences, the Big Ten, the SEC. We're going to make sure we also hit on some playoff predictions for you, talk a little bit about who we think is going to do well, who we think is not going to do well. Listen, I've had a lot of Michigan fans on here lately, so I decided to talk about the playoffs and to recap the Michigan game with uh, two guys that might not be as kind to the Wolverines as they have been on the show lately because I know some of you have been saying wow do we really want to keep listening to the Michigan fans don't worry we have Eric Boggs of the OHIO podcast and Spartan Dog of Bacon Wire the Michigan State podcast for Big Banter Sports Eric go ahead tell the people about yourself and where they can find you well, first off, I'm fully committed. I appreciate that. Please respect my privacy and thank you to God yeah. for uh, for all he's given me to be a part of the OHIO podcast. We're not leaving anywhere. We're staying right there on YouTube. Check us out at the, uh, the OHIO podcast right there on YouTube. Find us on Twitter at The Ohio Pod. Find us over at Facebook at The Ohio Podcast. And uh, you can, if you miss all of those things, head over to BigBanterSports.com. You'll find us there or just go to our website, TheOhioPodcast.com. Yes, yes, sir. And uh, every now and then you might just see me on the Ohio podcast, too. I make the appearances there. The portal, and we did grab someone. Yes, JR, yes. Oh, a member of the OHO podcast. However, I am keeping my eligibility at the Big Ten Huddle as well. So it's one of those weird, you know, pseudo portals. Testing the waters. Yeah. Testing the waters. <laughs> yeah, they will call it that. So, uh, Spartan Dog, I got to I I gotta, I jump my NIL game up. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> need some more nil over here, Eric. Uh, Spartan Dog, tell people about you and where they can find you at. Uh, yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Bacon Wire. Uh, we cover MSU athletics. Um, it, we stopped talking about football nine games into the season because we were like, let's get ready for a top five preseason basketball team. Um, that bit us in the ass. So, uh, I don't know. I have to learn hockey. I guess I don't. I'm not sure what else what else to do um, at this point. But, yeah, you can find us at Bacon Wire, wherever podcasts are listened to. I'm on Twitter at SpartanDog97. Again, I'm amazed I have to keep saying this. If it weren't for the, the Detroit Lions, I would be in a much darker place. <laughs> yes. Spartan Dog, we are thankful that you at least have your Detroit uh, Lions to keep you thriving over there. But uh, what was it about the moons, like full moons or something? They never were. Uh, yeah, uh, waxing waxing gibbous moons. <laughs> 0 and 12 on Thanksgivings where there is a waxing gibbous moon. Well, thankfully... <laughs> <laughs> Only someone from that state would know that. <laughs> Spartan Dog, this is why we love you, man, because it's like, here's your weird betting trend that you need to know about right here. There you go. It's, it has to do with the moon, guys. <laughs> I looked it up. I think I think next thing Thanksgiving is gonna be half crescent. So oh. I think we're all set. We're all <laughs> we're good to go. Just get your betting ready based on the moon for the Detroit yep. Lions every Thanksgiving. 
Oh, I love it. All right. Uh, hey, we got some good things to get into today. I mentioned them earlier. But before we do that, please do like and subscribe. We appreciate that if you're listening on podcast. Uh, just give us a five-star review. L- listen, I used to ask you guys to like say something, and then you guys just started giving us one-star reviews. So just give us a five-star. Click it. Move on. I don't – you know, helps us out. Even if you don't like us, just give us a five-star and never listen to us again. All right? Appreciate that. Uh, and then also, if uh, you are looking for more Big Ten content, go ahead and check out Big Banter Sports, BigBanterSports.com for all your Big Ten media needs. That's where my podcast, uh, Spartan Dogs, and Eric, uh, our podcasts are all at as well. So you can find us and more over there. Okay, guys, let's get into this. So we have the new D1 subdivision being talked about. This news broke today by Ross Dellinger over at Yahoo Sports. Um, Nicole Auerbach, Auerbach, I don't know how to say her name, uh, but she... She did a good story of this on The Athletic, really simplified it, made it easier. I know not everybody has The Athletic, but essentially what we're talking about here is there's <laughs> going to be a new subdivision in D1. Well, Charlie Baker, the NCAA president, wrote a letter about a new subdivision in D1 athletics for college sports where he wants to create something to where every player is making at least $30,000 while they are playing for these teams. And it looks a little bit different for football because football would have like the FBS. Uh, it would have its, its own like more, more major subdivision. And then they would have a lower subdivision for like the group of five schools and stuff like that. But essentially what this is, is it's creating a group of schools, big 10 sec, ACC, big 12 that can pay their players and really have no limits on it. There's no limit to how much the players can make. There's no limit to if you can tell the players how much they can make, if you want to get a player in the transfer portal. I mean, it's basically like no rules at all, unless the schools and the conferences all agree on some rules together. And then obviously the college football playoff committee, they would kind of be the ones who run the postseason stuff like that. So that's like the super simplified version. If you want to read more, go to Ross Dellinger with the Yahoo sports and, and read that whole thing. But Eric, I have to know, are you for this or are you against it? I think I'm for it because it's a little bit closer to the model that I've been preaching for about four years and saying that if we're going to act like the NFL light, then why aren't we just going to be the NFL light? I also think it becomes more realistic for your group of five schools to say, distinguish the difference here. Let's be honest. And I, I for one, hope that this creates more of a group of five where they also can have a playoff down the road for themselves too, and their own national champion as well. Um, and then as far as the, the payment, the only thing that I am weary of is the non-cap. I think if we're going to do this, you're basically saying, what's the team's salary cap, essentially? Okay. And I think if we're going to make this thing fair for the Purdue's, the Indiana's, the Northwestern's of the Big Ten, um, then you're going to have to put a cap on the Michigan's, Ohio State's, Penn State's, Michigan State's of the world. Otherwise, it's just going to be. Who can spend the most? And I mean, to a degree, one might argue that's where we're at right now anyways, and I get it, but I want to see competitive balance. 
in college football. I think that's better for everybody involved. I really do. So is it perfect? No, but it's, I believe in all honesty, it's a step in the right direction. And I'm for that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there are good aspects to this, but I think there are also things that need to be lined out better. And I also wonder if you aren't able to line those things out until you actually start, you know, making it happen, figuring out what works and what doesn't. Um, There's some more information that I recall from another article that I'm going to share, but I want to go Spartan Dog first. And Spartan Dog, just get your thoughts on this whole situation. And if you would like it for your school, if you would dislike it, you know, what are your thoughts? So here's the thing. I'm first, I'm, I'm first listen, right? When you first hear it, it sounds great. It sounds like for the first time in like 90 years, the NCAA is actually like having an appropriate response to an issue in college athletics, right? The problem is they're trying to have their cake and eat it too again, right? After the last 15 years of having their noses rubbed in it, they haven't learned their lesson. Because the main the main point of of this system that Charlie Baker is proposing is that they is that athletes still wouldn't be classified as employees. Any court worth its salt is going to eat that up. There's no chance that you can that you can pay any athlete directly from a school's endowment, whatever fund they set up and not classify them as university employee, right? Going down this road is literally going to have to reshape American labor law on the whole because there's so much collective bargaining that needs to be done. All these international players, right? The the Australian punters. Um, Mari Sissoko on Michigan State's basketball team is from Mali. He currently can't collect any NIL money because it would it would violate the terms of his visa. There's there's a lot that I don't think the NCAA is thinking through, surprise, surprise, with this. And it it's just being reactive to what they think people want to hear, what they think Congress wants to hear, what they think whatever want to hear in order to get the legislation they want passed. It's not going to work. You, the, the athletes need to be classified as employees. That's the end game here. I agree. And I don't know how much... I don't know what that's going to look like. Again, American labor law is going to need to be torn down and built back up in order to make that happen, I think. But it's just this situation. It's it's unrealistic. You're asking for you're asking for cookies for dinner. No, I, I see. Can I, can I respond to that real fast? Yeah, go ahead, Eric. JR, I just want to say, because that's a great that's a great point you make, Spartan Dog. If and when, because I think it's inevitably going to happen eventually, that these players become employees of the university, they will have contracts. Those contracts, I think, will be written in a way to where a lot of these players will not be able to just get up and leave and jump in a portal when they don't like something. So one of the issues that we have now with the transfer portal might be fixed with making them employees of the university. And if you think of it kind of like in terms of the NFL, if you break your contract, guess what? You're sitting out like you, you, you know, you're going to have to be traded. Now that's a wild concept to think universities trading players. That's crazy to think about, but 
there will be a day where that might happen. But I agree with Spartan Dog. They should be employees. I think that, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll let you see what you think, Spartan Dog, but I think that might kind of help what we're seeing alleviate a little bit in this portal issue because almost 1,200 Division One football players in the portal is crazy to me to think about. Yeah, no, you bring up a good point, Eric, right? And and I don't know what that um what that antitrust would look like, right? I'm not a lawyer. I don't pretend to be a lawyer. Um I was I took the LSAT and was literally in the 50th percentile. So I far far be it from me. Uh but I think you bring up a good point with the trading. I think ultimately what I think it's gonna look like is is European soccer, right? Where these lower clubs develop these guys from like when they were 14 years old. And then when they're 19, 20, 21, the Chelsea's, the Bayern Munich's, the, uh, the, the Barcelona's of the world come and say, here, we'll give you, we'll give you X amount of dollars to buy this player's contract. from." And I think that might be the future instead of just the transfer portal. It's going to be like a, like a transaction market. That's wild. <laughs> that is wild to think about, man. That's well, cool. I think it's cool. Uh, I, go ahead, Eric. I just gonna say I think it you have to right now it is the wild wild west. Yeah. I mean, it is. We are we have schools staring each other down at high noon ready to draw the pistols and say who's bidding for me? And that's what the athletes doing. Like who wants me? And you've got Ohio State and Michigan State with their guns drawn at each other going, who's got a bigger NIL, right? Okay, that's what's happening right now. And to think that you can create something that's more on the lines of what the business world is like, I think is intriguing to me. Because if you want my player, here's what it's going to cost you. I, I I love it. No, I I, <clears throat> I think it is starting off in the right direction, like we talked about. You know, I think that there is some of this that is very good, but I think Spartan Dog also brings up a good point that if you don't have these people as actual employees, then it's just it's just going to completely wreck the entire you know uh, system of of who is employed, who is not. The the NCAA just wants to keep the student athlete tag, which is the dumbest thing in the world, which if you don't know the history, we don't have a time to get into it here, but if you don't know the history of how that came about, you need to research it and figure it out because it's actually a terrible story. And it really is something that the NCAA has been latching onto for a long, long time. And it's not been good for the student athletes or the athlete students, whatever you want to call it for them to be doing what is going on. So just check out that story. I think it was like from the sixties or something like that when they first said student athlete. Uh, and it was a really bad story, but anyway, that's not the point. The point I want to get into is that I remember Charlie Baker has also been talking about the money that schools and conferences receive from some of these bowl games, from some of these, uh, you know, the revenue that comes from there from playing in the college football playoff, all these things. And he's been talking about, making sure that that money goes in certain areas. So schools can't get that money and just put it all toward NIL, but it has to go to other athletics. It has to go to this. It has to go to that and kind of putting a cap on it that way. So they're saying you can't, <clears throat> you can't, you can pay as much money to these student athletes as you want to pay, which like I said, really they're employees that you want to pay. But at the end of the day, you can only, 
use this money that you've gained from the college football playoffs, from your bowl games, from your conference. You can only use this in certain ways. Coach's salary, um, you know, there's a lot of rules about being a Division One school where you have to have, like, the right mental health set up. You have to have uh, a big enough stadium, those different kinds of things. Um, and that's one of the reasons why schools like James Madison don't get to play in a bowl game right away is because they're told, you know, you can focus on these things before before that. But I think it's just a mess in a lot of ways. I think if you're going to give them free reign, give them free reign. But at the end of the day, I don't think free reign is going to work because we're just going to end up with what we have now, which is like you guys talked about, just complete trying to outbid one another as much as you possibly can. And I think everybody can agree that it's not really fair when, you know, Purdue is trying to get the same player that Ohio State is or, you know, that Alabama is going for the same player that, you know, insert Big 12 school here, BYU or something like that. Um, And until we make something like that fair, we're just going to have Major League Baseball, which is, you know, the rich teams contend every year. And then you have the other teams. I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. So me too. Me too. Yeah. It's a good analogy. I feel you. So I feel, <laughs> I feel the pain of that. But, um, Spartan dog, any final thoughts before we move on from this? No. I, and I, I think it's a shame that, um, that the NCAA let it get to this point. This has been on the horizon for 15 years. Right. And instead of, being proactive in, in working to find a solution that is best for the health of not only the sport, but for the universe, for the member universities and the, and the athletes, right? They have, they have fought tooth and nail and have allowed scandal after embarrassing scandal to break at all of these universities. And now they're at a point where they're on their deathbed. These schools are ready to break away from the NCAA, they're about to lose, they're about to lose everything in terms of revenue. And they're trying to, they're trying to just clod anything and putting band-aids on a bazooka wound. I mean, it's just, they're, they're the guys at Normandy trying to scoop their intestines back into their body and saving Kravit Ryan. It's, it's just not going to work. You're at, you're at the end until the, the only solution for the NCAA to Canadian surviving is if they get nationalized and all the member schools are like fall under the purview of the federal government. That's the only other way we can kind of put the genie back in the bottle here. And that's not going to be popular <laughs> on either side of the aisle. So, you know, we're kind of stuck in this, in this death spiral. Oh, the other hope is that the NCAA does die. I mean, that was another report that came out about a month ago is that, you know, the NCAA could just be dead for college football in five years. You know, yes, they'll still be able to, you know, do the Olympic sports and do college basketball and stuff like that. But at some point, college college football might just move on and say, we're done with you. You don't do anything. Your your punishments are stupid. They don't actually, you know, help us out or anything. Um, and at the end of the day, it's it's just not worth it. Um, Eric, you have any final thoughts before we move on? No, I'm 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 just kind of all I can all I'm going to say is it seems like in the last five years, college football has changed more than my entire life combined, and we are on we are on a roller coaster and we are going downhill very very fast towards that big loop. Yep. 
Yep. And it's not all gloom and doom. There are, there are some positives to, you know, players having more rights and players earning an IL, but it just has to be regulated. It has to be done in such a way that it is positive, not just for the players, but for everybody else as well. So, all right, guys, we'll get into your next favorite discussion. Uh, Michigan 26, Iowa nothing. The Big Ten championship game, it was pretty exciting there at the beginning. Uh, the first half was 10 to nothing. Joel Klatt uh, said that Iowa won the first half when it was 10 to nothing. I don't know how you <laughs> win the first half, when, uh, but, you know, that's that's Joel Klatt for you. Um, Eric, did you watch this game? What were some of your thoughts on it? You know me as a Buckeye fan. I didn't, and I did all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just say this. When they got the kick return that they almost scored on, I, 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 I might have got just as mad as when McCord thrown inter- thrown through an interception. <laughs> and I'm just like, come on, man! Like, goodness sakes! I it's so frustrating to watch them succeed for me. Um, our numbers on YouTube this week have been insane. And I know it's because mostly it's Michigan fans who are collecting my Buckeye tears and their little vials of pleasure (laughs) and storing them up for the next 365 days. And I keep telling myself, it's okay. It's okay because at least they're giving me more hits. Right. Um, But uh, I, I will give, I will give Iowa some credit. I thought that they, I thought defensively they had a good game plan. Um for the most part, that team offensively has just been a train wreck all year. Um, This is the second most embarrassing Big Ten championship game I can remember. The first one being probably 2014, 56 to nothing, Buckeyes over Wisconsin. 59. 59, thank you. Um, We just scored again. I got you. It was it was. It was painful to watch. So I'm going to be honest. I actually watched Florida State Louisville more. Yeah. Um, flipping back and forth. But yeah. Well, so as that's a Buckeye a, fan, that meant more for your team than this game did, right? It did, actually. It did. So, but because, um, you know, in all honesty, when it came to the CFP, we actually needed Michigan to win. And I couldn't, I can't do that. Yeah. So um, I can't even say it was good to see Jim Harbaugh back. Uh, cause it wasn't so there's just nothing about this game as from my perspective that I even really want to talk about. So well, yeah, if we have some Michigan fans listening, they are, oh. they are continuing to collect their Buckeye tears. Uh, yeah, there you game. go. <laughs> there they are. Um, Spartan dog. What were some of your thoughts? Uh, this was a classic Iowa game, right? It just, the defense stands on their head, manages to contain a, Maybe just to contain a, a a systematic, powerful offense as much as it could, uh, but this is a this game came down to this game came down to two plays, right? The the punt return and then the the forward pass fumble, right? That's fourteen points right there. You're looking at twelve nothing, right? And that's that's kind of where that's kind of where if you're Beth Gats, you're like. You're a, you're a folk hero in Iowa City for for making the correct call and firing Brian Ferentz. It's just Phil Parker, you know, Broyles Award winner. Congratulations to him. You know, at what point is he like, 
I'm, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't have my defenses wasted on an offense that is going to be disanemic. Are you telling me that you cannot find a quarterback better than Deacon Hill? There's not one on the roster. Iowa is the flagship state. Iowa is the flagship university of the state of Iowa. There is not one. There is not one guy in a fraternity house somewhere who played quarterback in high school who who could perform better than Deacon Hill. <laughs> not one guy. You couldn't do a Vince Papali, a convincible <laughs> thing. Just you're just gonna roll with Deacon Hill. That that was insane to me. It continues to be insane. To me. Well, Deacon Hill was at Wisconsin. Um, and you know what? Uh, Spartan Dog, you're not giving him enough credit, okay? Listen to this. California. From California. That's where all the great quarterbacks are from, right? C.J. Stroud, okay? Um, Caleb Williams was from California, I think. Um, don't quote me on that. But, uh, yeah, so he's from California. Four-star prospect out of high school. Four stars. Really? Yeah. Uh, now the twenty four seven composite, he was. Oh no, sorry. As a transfer, he was three stars, but out of high school, he was the number twenty two player in California and was a four star recruit. So Almost do you top think twenty in California? That's actually not bad. That's actually so. Do you think yeah. when when Iowa gets a recruit, you know how these recruiting services are when you when you commit to Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State, immediately you get bumped. And so if you're a defensive commit and you commit to Iowa and you're like a low three-star, now you're like, hey, you're a four-star defensive player. But if you're an offensive player and you commit to Iowa, they're like, oh, you must really be a low three-star if you're going there. Like, that's where we're at right now, man. Like, thankfully, and, and you know, Connor from the, the Iowa podcast on Big Banter, dude, I, I love you, man. But <clears throat> why did you fire him and hold on to him all season? Brian Ferentz, why? You had you had no one better. Like even even Coach Ferentz himself, love you, son, but this ain't working. Like let me call plays here. Eric, as as someone who just spent had just spent the majority of the season with the lame duck staff, uh, I can kind of speak to some of the psychology of that. Right? It's like at a certain point, like you're just firing someone because it feels good not because it's going to make your team better, right? Firing Brian Ferentz wouldn't have fixed the fundamental issues. Letting Brian Ferentz go immediately wouldn't have fixed the fundamental issues with the Iowa offense. It just would have, like, it just would have prevented Iowa fans from seeing his face on the sideline. That's all it would have done. That would make me feel better if I was an Iowa fan. Ain't oh, no, absolutely. You know how, do you know how much I seethe every time they show Jay Johnson up in the press box? looking confused as he called his seventh straight halfback dive on third and 16. Like, absolutely. It would have been, I would have felt better if I saw like Courtney Hawkins or Ephraim Reed up there, but it's just, it's just, you know, diminish You're. it's a sunk cost fallacy, right? It's like, it's not going to get any better. They're winning. So how can you justify, you know, getting him off the premises when they're winning, even with as bad as the offense was. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and at a certain point, mm-hmm. I've been <clears throat> playing around with this in my head a little bit. You know, Kirk Ferentz obviously has a brand of football 
that he wants to play. And I'm not trying to disparage Kirk Ferentz. He's had a long career, and I know that Iowa fans love him. Uh, well, some do. I know uh, others would maybe like to see him move on. But um, but he's been there for a long, long time, has a great legacy there, You know, has, has been a lot for Iowa football for, for a long time. But at a certain point, like part of me wonders if Kirk Ferentz just wants to have his son there because he knows that like he's not going to argue too much with him. Because if you're an offensive coordinator with these kind of players, with this kind of scheme, you would have to think that that would just tear you up inside. That, like, really, we can't throw the ball downfield. We can't, you know, break open the, you know, like, we can't do anything explosive. Uh, but obviously, Kirk Ferris doesn't want to take those risks. He doesn't want to make that happen. And even when he doesn't take those risks, he still gets, you know, which I call it a bogus call. It wasn't. It wasn't a fumble um, that that happened there, but still, I mean, you have those kind of things happen um, that you know ultimately are frustrating. So I don't know if maybe Kirk Ferentz just likes having a son there because maybe his son doesn't argue as much about it and he just kind of goes with it. Maybe he just taught him all growing up like offense is overrated. You're not going to want to do it. Go be an offensive coordinator <laughs> and just you know. It's overrated. Don't do it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, the shining but. light is, is this is the last time we'll have to worry about this. Because could you imagine if this game was Michigan versus Washington? That would have been, that that been a great game. Yeah. It would have been awesome. That would be a great game. That's what we'd have gotten this year if we would have gone with the, ch- the rule change that we're going to have next year and if they would have been here. So this will be the last time we have to worry about divisions. And I'm – after seeing this for the last however many years, I'm all for it. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right, well, speaking about Michigan versus Washington, let's talk through some playoff predictions. So obviously we have Michigan versus Alabama happening in the first round. The other, uh, that's one number one versus number four. The other matchup is number two versus number three, Texas-Washington. Um, I don't I don't know if we need to get into like the Florida State stuff. I think everybody can pretty much agree that they got screwed. Right, guys? I mean, there's, there's nothing. I don't, I, <laughs> so, so here's my thing. Okay. Is, I don't think I I I'm gutted for Florida State. Yeah, I'm gutted for Jordan Travis. That tweet he put out after the selection yeah. was yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah, heartbreaking. But two things can be true at the same time. Mm-hmm. Florida State did get screwed out of an opportunity to compete for a national championship, but I think the committee put the four best teams in the playoffs. I do. I, I think they got it right. I think the committee got it right. I don't know what benefit there is to including Florida State because you feel an obligation to and having them get, having them sacrificing them to Washington or Michigan. I really don't see the benefit in that. And Florida State's defense is awesome. But with Tate Rodemaker in there, um, I think Alex Kirshner of Split Zone Duo made this point. They're upgraded Iowa. They're Iowa with the added benefit of two NFL wide receivers. (laughs) Quite the benefit. Quite the benefit. But still, they're not, they haven't been effective since Jordan Travis went down. And that's unfortunate. And that's not a detriment to the rest of Florida State's team. That's a compliment to how incredible Jordan Travis was and is as a player. 
No, for sure. He's a, he was a top five quarterback in college football. I don't think anybody would argue that top five, you know, if you don't agree with that, at, at least top 10. Um, and when you lose that, and I know everybody wants to say, well, Ohio State went in and they won, uh, you know, the, the college football playoffs when they had a third string quarterback. I just want to remind people who scored 59 points, that, as you reminded us. Yes, that. And also, let's remember, I do not mean to disparage this man at all, because I'm sure he's a very good coach. And he, you know, he's obviously brought Florida State back from the depths of where they were previously, which they weren't happy with. But Mike Norvell is not Urban Meyer. I mean, I, I understand thinking, you know, Ohio State did it with a third-string quarterback, but let's remember, Urban Meyer has won a national championship with two different schools. He, you know, has been able to basically bring any school that he's at up from the depths within a few years. I um, mean, you, you know, what Ohio State was what, Eric, six and seven, and then when Urban got there, they went 12 and 0 or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yep. so, I mean... Urban Meyer is just a different breed of coach. Um, so I don't from know. A, from a different era, by the yeah, way, too. And that too, uh, from a different era. Yeah. So I'm not trying to say that Florida State didn't deserve it. I think Florida State was the more deserving team, but I agree with you, Spartan Dog. Alabama was the better team. And so if they are going to go by, let's you know, vote in the better team. I will say this, though. Watching Michigan's reaction when they announced Alabama's fourth was gold. That's how you know they got it right. That is as closest as you can come to knowing a room full of people crap their pants without smelling it. <laughs> oh, all oh, the cameras are on us. Yeah. <laughs> so, Spartan Dog, does that mean you'll be picking Alabama to beat Michigan? Roll Tide. Um, no, I think, I think Alabama has a really good shot. I think Alabama was not the same team at the beginning of the year as they are now. And it's primarily because of Jalen Milrow. I think Tommy Reese didn't know what to do with Jalen Milrow at the beginning of the season. I think he wanted him to be, you know, this pass first guy who could make these things happen with his arm. And eventually Tommy Reese just put his hands up in the air and was like, all right, we're just gonna let you run. Okay. Just <laughs> go out there, run around, get us your playground ball, baby. Let's yeah. go. And yep. then just throw the ball 50 yards, and I'm sure one of our guys uh, will get it. But um, but Alabama's also had some stinkers. That Auburn game, I don't – I mean, people just want to ignore it, but they did need a miraculous play to win that game. So um, I don't know who I'll pick in this game yet. I'll probably end up picking Alabama just because that's – you know, I tend to pick Nick Saban over other coaches. I even picked Nick Saban over Kirby Smart in the SEC championship game. But um, I don't – there's just something about this Alabama team that's not their normal team, and I don't think it's as easy of a pick as it would be in the past. What do you think, Eric? I would agree with that until I watched what they did to Georgia. Yeah. If they if they play their next two games like they play that game, the only team I give a chance of beating them is Texas. And that's even going to be hard because it's hard to beat Nick Saban twice in one year, right? Right. So – but I don't know. I, I, I think Sarkeesian's got a way of of um, game planning. He proved that and already. Uh, he proved that when he was in Alabama. I mean, he found Ohio State's weakness, and he literally just went, watch this. <laughs> yeah, a, a tough. <laughs> Try to catch this guy. <laughs> like, right. He was scheming things to make matchups that 
was just head and shoulders above our defensive coaching staff at that time and embarrassed, embarrassed us on national television and on the biggest stage in college football. So at least, at least it wasn't 65 to seven. True. So <laughs> I will say, I think that Michigan's confidence in them being able to play bully ball against Alabama is I an oversight. I really do believe that's an oversight. I don't think they're going to be able to go in there and push Alabama around like they've done the Big Ten this year. Um, no offense to Ohio State and the team I cover and the team I love. Alabama is much more uh, up has much more upfront than what Ohio State shown, especially on the offensive side. And I just don't think I don't think Michigan is going to be able to speed this game up enough by running the clock and running the football against Alabama to where they're going to be able to play their style of game. And I think this plays into Nick Saban and Alabama perfectly. I think they win by a couple scores. I really do. Wow. So what are your thoughts on Texas and Washington then? That one to me is a different toss up because Washington is playing with a level of confidence that reminds me of Ohio state in 2014. It's cool. Like I thought for sure, Oregon was going to, was going to get them. And as that game went on, it was like, no, no, they're not like these guys are for real. I, 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 I root for Michael Penix jr. He was my Heisman pick at the beginning of the year. So got a nice little jingle on that one if he wins. I'm hoping he does, although sounds like they're going with the LSU quarterback, apparently. But um, that one, I think Texas has got a little bit more on the defensive side than what Washington does. And so I'm I'm picking probably Texas to win that game. They're my they're my they're my pick to win it all, but um I'm rooting for Washington. It's gonna be it's a future Big Ten team. I like Michael Penix Jr. I'm rooting for them. I just think Texas has got a little bit more going on there. Yeah, and I think Texas has more size on the defensive line than Washington does on the offensive line. <clears throat> I don't remember all of their weights and stuff like that, but you know, Pac-12 offensive lines just don't look the same as you know the down south offensive lines and stuff like that. I I think that their linemen are not as big and maybe won't be able to be as physical with somebody like Texas. But but I think you're right. I think they're playing very inspired football. And when you're an inspired team, that can mean a whole lot. I mean, that means I, more than maybe we realize sometimes. I think we're heading for a Texas-Alabama rematch. And quite frankly, I'm here for it. I, that was a great game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what What do you think, Spartan Dog? Texas versus Washington. Uh, Texas, it's, that's going to be – it's going to be – Probably, it's probably going to go down as one of the top three uh, semifinals of the of the four team era. I mean, it's going to be right up there with with Georgia, Oklahoma, uh, the Rose Bowl with Baker and yeah. uh, Jake Fromm's freshman year and, and and all that. I just this game's going to be so much fun. I mean, it's just it's good on good, right? It's it's a it's an elite offense who can throw it around. They have NFL talent all around all around the skill positions against, you know, a defense who can, who is nasty, can get to the quarterback, uh, create havoc and create havoc on the, in the trenches. Uh, this game is going to be so much fun. And, you know, I think Washington's offensive line is getting a little discredited. I think at this point, it's kind of a, it's kind of bell curving a little bit here. Um, they, I thought they, they contained Oregon's defense very well in both matchups. 
Um, Penix did not need to move around a lot. He did not need to escape the pocket. They were able to create holes for the running back. So I'm going to be very interested to see how they hold up against Texas. But yeah, this game is going to rip. It is going to be so much fun. Well, Penix was willing to stand in there and get hit sometimes too. I mean, Mm -hmm. there were a few times where he didn't move. Well, I mean, he's used to it. He played in Indiana, man. (laughs) I still remember that stretch that he made against Penn State and all the Penn State fans getting mad and saying, you know, he didn't get it, which I don't know if he did. I don't think he did either. But, you know, I was happy for Michael Penix Jr. that he got it. So, um, all right. So we all think Texas and Alabama then and the national championship. We all agree. I do. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we think Texas wins, or we think Alabama gets his get back and wins. That's a coin flip, man. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. It's I think both like, teams have improved since then too. Yeah, absolutely. I think Alabama wins it. I I just think I don't know. It just seems like destiny for Nick Saban. He got in this way, and you know, I want to see Texas win. win but. I want to see Texas win just so we can see Matthew McConaughey get the national championship trophy and go, all right, all right, all right. I got to I gotta see it. That's going to mean more to him than the Oscar. That's going <laughs> to. He's like, all right, all right, all right. That's so good. I love it. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's talk some Michigan State. Will the Michigan State be better or worse from their mass portal exodus? Obviously, you are a Michigan State uh, expert here, Spartan Dog. There's been a lot of players enter the portal for Michigan State, but there's also been a lot of buzz about some players, too. I know that wide receiver from North Texas, uh, he got an offer from Michigan State, and uh, sounds like he is considering them quite heavily. Uh, 24-7 has had Aiden Childs projected to go to Michigan State ever since he has entered the portal. So that's obviously good. Uh, Spartan Dog, what are kind of some of your thoughts and what you've been uh, reading or hearing about Michigan State in this transfer portal so far? Uh, you know, I think I'm of two minds. Uh, one, any kid on this team who wants to enter the portal should enter the portal. I'll say this. It has not been a good year. Right. The coach you committed to is not the coach there right now. And if you want to explore other opportunities after what happened this season, I do not blame a single kid who entered the portal. Right. I don't think they're looking for money. I don't think they're looking for all that. They want a fresh start. And I'm not going to blame them. I want a fresh, I want a fresh start. But I paid $40,000 for a piece of paper. So, I'm I'm here for life. <laughs> I'm blood in, blood out at this point. Uh no, and you know, I I think I think Colorado this year, I think it kind of showed some of the limits of what you can of what you can build a team through via the portal, right? Um, specifically in the trenches. You know, I I don't like that so many offensive linemen are in the portal. Um that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that they won't be back, right? Just because you're in the portal doesn't mean you're gone forever. Right. Um, I do think there is going to be a spot for guys like Gino Vandemark and Ethan Boyd. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, Jonathan Smith brought over Jim Mahalchik, who was a Broyles Award finalist, and his offensive line has been up there for the Joe Moore Award for the last two years. So, you know, I 
I don't think a lot of guys on the offensive line could pass that opportunity up after being uh, after being recruited by a snake oil salesman. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, I think ultimately, better or worse, we'll see when the dust settles. I think ultimately, um, the team's going to be different, right? And that difference not a bad thing. Well, and I think that there were certain players that, you know, I think last time you were on, you were talking about it, that were young players that seemed like they had that leadership. You know, Jordan Hall, uh, what was it, Sim- Simeon, defensive lineman. Uh, uh, Simeon Barrow. Yeah, Simeon Barrow. I mean, there were certain guys like that that you were telling us, like, these guys are leaders, and these are the kind of guys that we need to build the team around even after we get a new coach in here. So are there any other players like that on the team that have left or have stayed, um, in your opinion? Well, Jordan Hall has not entered the portal as of yet. I know um, he was he was linked to Ohio State pretty heavily. Um, kind of kind of in the aftermath of the Tucker um, fiasco. So he has not entered the portal yet. I think he's priority one for Jonathan Smith. His football IQ is off the charts. Um, he's physical. It, you would not know he was a freshman if, if you were not paying close enough attention to Michigan State football. Um, Simeon Barrow had entered the portal during the 30-day window in the middle of the season and withdrew. Um, I think he's kind of staying in. Um, Chance Rucker is a cornerback. Um, he was kind of baptized this season by fire. Uh, he was on Marvin Harrison Jr. in the Ohio State game. Um, that doesn't go well for for percent of percent of secondary players at college football. So, uh, but that was a valuable experience. So I'm so as long as. Jonathan Smith can keep those three guys as the linchpins and kind of bring in support around, around them. Right. And, and like you said, right. Aiden Childs um, is someone the whole fan base is super excited about. Um, we're kind of hoping, we're kind of hoping Penn gets put to paper here pretty soon. Um, so we can come in for spring ball. Uh, you know, I'm, I do think maybe one of the transfer quarterbacks does come back, not Sam Levitt. Um, Sam Levitt is gone. I don't know if you guys saw his comments. No, I didn't see his comments. What do you say? Uh, basically, he was he's he was upset that Smith was hired because Smith did not offer him out of high school because Smith had already had in Childs committed. Hmm. Which I have my own feelings about that. That's They're not for public consumption. <laughs> that take is not publicly ready yet. Well, um, I, I just think about it. Like, if if the guy's already got his guy, then why does he need to go out and offer more guys? I mean, I get it if the quarterback room is kind of scarce, but like, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder about that with recruiting. Like, you know, do guys take stuff like that too personally? Because, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to judge him personally because I don't know him, but that's an interesting concept there. Eric, what are some of your thoughts on Michigan State this portal cycle, and if the exodus could be good or bad for them? Barton Dog, can I interest you in a eleven and one starting quarterback? <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, the only quarterback left in the room is is a walk on. So, you know, right now until until we get Childs until we get Childs moved into his moved into his apartment, uh, I'll I'll take anything that comes across the desk. Honestly, just for just to have it. All right, he's available. So, um. <laughs> um No, you know, 
this is this is the new era of college football we live in. When you have a, a coaching change, regime change, you can just about expect that your roster is going to get turned over big time. You're going to have people exit because this isn't the coach that they were recruited by. You're going to have guys follow that coach into your program because he recruited them. And so that's a little bit of what we're seeing, I think, in East Lansing. And I mean, I just got done, you know, podcasting with a fellow Big Banter podcast where we talked about back in the D'Antonio days, how he came into the state of Ohio and he found all the top talent that wasn't being offered by Ohio State in Michigan and was like, let me bring you in and develop you and became a thorn in both programs side through development of those kids that got overlooked. And I don't know much about this head coach. He's very been very successful at Oregon state. And that's in a state that has a bigger program with more money in Oregon university. So this seems to me like a really good fit. And so if I'm a Michigan state fan, I'm not panicking at what's happening with the portal. No, I'm not. And plus the other thing too is um, I said this, I think I've said this before on, on this podcast, uh, sunlight is the best disinfectant. And it was pretty clear early on um, in this interim phase of the season that these assistants were, were not up to snuff in terms of, in terms of developing big 10 talent and scheming to be successful in the big 10. So you know, these guys, a lot of these guys too picked up, probably picked up a few bad habits that, you know, you may not be able to coach them out of. So maybe them, maybe them trying to get a fresh start somewhere else and, and having another set of eyes on them. Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried at all. Um, I'm, you know, coach Smith, I think is going to be here for the long haul. Um, Max Brown, I think made a really good point. Like I think Jonathan Smith is the first kind of is the first shot across the bow with this shift of power five jobs are the pinnacle of the of the college profession to Big Ten and SEC jobs are the pinnacle of the profession, right? And if I'm at and if I'm at you know Baylor and Texas A and M comes calling, I'm leaving Baylor. So you know I think that's something to look out for. Yeah, good point. Yeah, no, I agree. I think <clears throat> I think you hit it on the head, Eric. I think this is just kind of the new natural progression of college football, and I think that as we see players uh, leave because one coach comes in, I, I expect there will probably be more Oregon State players who leave and will probably hop on over to Michigan State at some point. If you did a good job over there, your players had a good relationship with you and your coaches, and you bring a lot of your coaching staff over, I would think those players would say, yeah, I want to go play for that same coach, play for that same staff. So, um you know, obviously you're not going to get every single player, but maybe the players that you had the best relationships with and uh, we're doing the best with, that could be a, a big thing. So, all right, guys, our biggest and our last story is Kyle McCord and Julian Fleming are leaving Ohio State. Kyle McCord, of course, the starting quarterback who went 11-1. and Ohio State fans seem to have their thoughts about him. Julian Fleming, of course, the wide receiver three for this team this last year. Didn't have the normal wide receiver three stats, but still mm-hmm. at Ohio State, 
you know, if you're a wide receiver, you're highly coveted and you have a lot of skill and talent. The former number one wide receiver in his recruiting class, uh, what was it, 2020, I think it was. Um, so he was he was very, very highly regarded at that time as well. So just a it looks like a big loss, but how big of a loss is Kyle McCord, Julian Fleming, and maybe some of the other less known transfer portal guys? So would you be shocked if I told you that losing Jair Brown and Kai Stokes was a bigger loss, in my opinion, than those two? I think people would because they probably don't know those names. <laughs> so those were two guys who were big depth guys who were looking to have their chance to step in as cornerback and safety this year. And now that, you know, obviously either they got passed over by younger talent or there was a philosophical difference or something else that they didn't like that caused them to want to jump in the portal. Um, let's let me start with Fleming first before we talk about the the elephant in the room. <coughs> Fleming, let me let me explain why I'm not worried about losing Fleming by telling you a story that happened. Uh, because I was there in person. This is a true story. It's the second day of practice in August and Ohio state lets fans in to view the practice. And for the first day and the second day, I went to the second day and there was a pass Fleming 30 yards down the field, right in the bread basket, right between his right, right through his hands. He takes off his helmet, slams it on the ground. And the coaching staff is like, Dude, you're supposed to be a leader of this team. And I turned to my best friend and I said, that's a young, that's a player who's feeling the pressure by one of the younger guys. That day, Carnell Tate was awesome in practice. And I started preaching Carnell Tate is the man. Now, I thought Tate might overtake him as the third receiver on the team. It didn't happen. But how many times this year did we see Fleming have stone hands? That's part of the reason why his production wasn't as good as maybe another wide receiver three for Ohio. Dude had serious dropsies all year. <clears throat> He's battled injuries for the for the most part during his career at Ohio State. I don't know that the kid's ever been a hundred percent healthy at Ohio State. Came from a high school program where they really didn't throw the football. They're more of a T-winged offense. So I think his number one wide receiver ranking coming out of high school was inflated, to be honest with you, because how can you be that in an offense that was running the T-wing and you only get, you know, 40 catches all year, even as a senior? Like, that's... So I think that was already something that was going against him was the expectation of being a five-star, and maybe you're really not. Um, And then the injuries, and then I think just the frustration of things not going the way he thought they were. I'm not surprised he's deciding to go in the portal. I think he ends up at Penn State. He's from Pennsylvania. Penn State was the team that it came down to Ohio State and Penn State. I think they have an opening for him. I think he goes to Penn State and he he tries to compete there. So I'm not I'm not terribly worried about it because I think the crop coming up is phenomenal. I've seen him in person. And even Marvin Harrison Jr. said it himself. That Tarn- Carnell Tate kid was better than I was when I came to Ohio State. 
that's sick to even think about. Yeah, no, so, Cornell Tate definitely he got his star rating because of what he did production wise more so than Fleming. Um while you were talking about that, Eric, I was just reading uh the evaluation that Steve Wiltfong put of Julian Fleming, kind of why he got his five star status, and a lot of it is like huge body, lots of strength, big, you know, uh leaping ability, very fast, physical, has you know, can can push off you know, DBs well. I mean, a lot of that stuff that's not really the technical side of wide receiver play, but more like the athletic side of yeah. it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but he had a lot of injuries pretty much every year, right? Yeah. You said that you and, don't think he's never not injured. And that affects and the, your athletic ability. And the other thing about that is he was playing low-level high school football in Pennsylvania. Well, yeah. It wasn't even against – it wasn't like he was from Philadelphia where they're playing against, you know, really good Catholic school competition. Like, this was against – Farm schools, no offense, but that rating. Uh, McCord I th- was also from Pennsylvania, so what you're telling me is we need to stop stop having Ohio State recruit Pennsylvania, right? No, because Marvin Harrison Jr. was also from Pennsylvania. Right, yeah. So, he all right, let's out. let's get into the Marvin juicy stuff here, right? Or, or get into uh, McCord juicy stuff here. <clears throat> I have an issue with helicopter parents in sports. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want, if you go over to the OHIO podcast, we did a video, watch it on YouTube. I go into all of the detail, all the rumors, supposedly what happened. All I'm going to say is this, this is why I'm not concerned he's leaving. He never showed me any alpha dog. I need my quarterback to be an alpha dog. You, you've got to be a leader. Doesn't mean you have to be a a raw, raw guy on the sideline all the time, but you need to, you need to man the huddle. Those other 10 guys need to look at you as the quarterback and say, this is our leader. This is the guy who's we're going into battle with. And I know I have complete confidence. He's going to get the job done. He never showed any of that in the Michigan game. When he throws the interception, they, they, the television goes over the cameras, go over to the sideline. You've got all the offensive guys sitting on the bench talking to each other. McCord's over on the sideline by himself on the bench, sitting there staring at the like, like a deer in the headlights, like not even talking to a coach, not on the phone with the coordinator, not with his teammates. My bad, guys. We're going to get this straight. Nothing. That's not a leader. And the first sign of adversity in your career, you've won 12 games. Because remember, he won one as a starter two years ago. You're you're twelve and zero. It's the first loss you have. You're twelve and one, and the very first thing you do is, I don't want to compete for a starting job. I want it handed to me. If you are twelve and one, so you're saying that's that's act why he like it. That's why he transferred. Is that he, he wanted he a starting tra- job and it wasn't guaranteed? Oh, okay. So you want me to you want me to say it, don't you, Jr.? You want <laughs> well, me- you alluded to it pretty well. Well, I mean, when daddy goes, when you have your daddy go to the head coach and have a meeting and the and your daddy says, I want you to guarantee my son's going to be the starter. And the head coach says, uh, no, he'll have to compete like everybody else. I don't care how many games he won as a starter. You need to compete and you're out that you're not a competitor. You're not a leader. You're not an alpha dog. You're the next starting quarterback for Nebraska. Apparently you're not a Spartan dog. You're not. <laughs> You're not, I mean, 
Call Greg Schiano up. Go back to Rutgers. I mean, that's where your daddy's from anyways. I mean, seriously. Like, I would be so embarrassed if I'm Kyle McCord knowing that my dad had to go to the head coach on my behalf. Yeah. JR, um, if you get like in you trouble said, at work, does your dad go to your boss for you on your behalf? No, nope, my dad tells me to buck up and accept yeah. the firing if I get fired. <laughs> exactly. It is this is this is in my opinion this is asinine. This is crazy. And it, if that's who you are, it's no wonder when the rubber met the road in the biggest game of the year, they've got your number. You you just I'm sorry. It's that is completely Look at that roster. Spartan Dog tell me. You look at that roster we had. You put CJ Stroud at quarterback, are we not winning the national championship this year? Oh my God! You, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not even close. I mean, look at—we just got done talking about how good Texas, Washington, Bama, Michigan, how great it's going to be. All of them are at least two score underdogs to Ohio State if CJ Stroud is still the quarterback of this team. So that tells you what the weak link of this football team was, and it was at quarterback. And you have the audacity for your daddy to come into the head coach's office and beg for his starting position. Get out of here. And like Eric said, that's of course all rumors. So don't take it as gospel, but you know, it is, it has it, it been swirling around the Ohio state, uh, you know, fan base for, for a while now. And I think that's what not everybody understands when it comes to Ohio state fans with Kyle McCord, because everybody just looks and says, well, he, you know, had 3000 passing yards. He had nearly 25 touchdown passes, only six picks or, um, you know, he was 11 and one, 12 and one in his career. Why are Ohio state fans so mad at him? But I think you articulated it quite well there, Eric, that, you know, when, when you look at a guy on TV, and he's by himself. He's doing his own thing. He's not really communicating. He's not, you know, firing up his team. And not every guy has to be the raw, raw guy. But it, when it doesn't look like he's with his team at all, um, I heard a rumor. I was listening to a podcast from an Ohio State guy talk about this. It was actually the day after the Michigan game. So obviously everything was quite fresh. But he, he said that he was outside the tunnel because obviously he was on the field outside the tunnel and as Ohio State was getting ready to run out there Kyle McCord looked back to the team and he only said one thing he said no mistakes no mistakes no and mistakes. who's the first one that makes one well and also it's like he was conv- trying to convince himself right right and like do you really want to play with that kind of tightness I mean if anybody here has ever played sports before you know, if you're if you are about to go out onto the court or onto the field and your coach pulls you aside and says, no mistakes. Yeah. Does that fire you up? No. You know, like go let you it's the exact opposite. Go let it all hang out. Mistakes are gonna happen. It's it's sports, you know. This is why another reason why I don't think Michigan wins national championship. Given that scenario we just laid out for you, that they, they only beat us by six without Connor Stallions. Let that. And I'm being dead serious. Let that sink in. Well, you mean a lot of people that you said mean Ohio to State tell was still me, the better team after that? You game. mean to tell me that you, with the same exact rosters for practically two seasons in your house, you're only six points better than us? It, it, it's all because Jimmy wasn't there, right? Please. Sharon Moore was 
just as aggressive, if not more, than Jimmy would have been in that game. So I thought I thought he I I thought he coached a phenomenal game. Give him credit. Yeah, he outcoached Ryan Day. I I'll be the first person that says it. This so let me let me ask you guys a question as Ohio State fans. Right, I I got I got to understand this. Okay, I I converse with other Ohio State fans. They have conveyed this sentiment to me. Um. Do you think Ryan Day takes the rivalry seriously enough? I think he's too tight with it. I think he gets it, but I think that he isn't like, like I think he sees it as a Super Bowl every single year. And if he doesn't win this game, it doesn't matter what he did the rest of the year. That if he loses that game, like Urban Meyer wanted to win that game because Urban Meyer understood it. And because Urban Meyer lived it for most of his life. Uh, Ryan Day wants to win that game because he wants to keep his job. I think he hates here's, Michigan. Don't be wrong. I think he hates Jim yeah. Harbaugh a lot. Here's the, here's the difference, Spartan Dog. Ryan Day understands it because he was taught it. He wasn't bred into it. Like there, that that's why you hear Michigan talk about Michigan man and Ohio State talking about we need a Buckeye as our head coach because they understand the level of hate and respect between the two programs. I think Ryan Day is he underst- he understands it, but I just don't know that he has experienced it at stages of his life that create a dwelling on it and creating an entire podcast around it, right? Like <laughs> okay, like <laughs> yeah. So so I let me let me say this about Ryan Day. I think he's a phenomenal coach. I like Ryan Day a lot. I really want Ryan Day to succeed. I want Ryan Day to win a national championship. I want him to win in the rivalry. I want him to win Big Ten championships without the stigma of doing it with Urban's players. Okay. I want those things for him because I think he deserves those things. The dude's a really good guy, like phenomenal person. Like he cares about his players and their mental health more than he does wins and losses. I know that for a fact. Just ask Carrie Miller, right? Okay. But you're going, you're going to get crucified in the state if you can't win that game. And you literally have the walking example alive today in John Cooper. To this day, John Cooper's name is a swear word, even though he still lives in, in Columbus, Ohio, and people still get their pictures with them. Like, hey, John Cooper, I can get a picture. Yeah, awesome. And then they turn around and be like, Dude was two ten and one against Michigan. God, I mean, like, like that's how it is. Like, and I don't want Ryan Day to be that guy. I do not want him to be John Cooper two point But that's how it's trending, man. No, I, I, it's interesting, right? Because I think when Urban Meyer is asked about Michigan when he was a coach, even now, right? It, it's palpable. Right, it, you can see the disdain, the the animosity on his face. When you ask Ryan Day about it, it's just another game, right? It's just another game. I think trying to to trying to normalize the game almost has an inertia effect. It's a total mistake. Yeah, right. You got to lean into the fact that it's that it's the biggest game of the season. Yeah, and I think that's what Urban Meyer, that's what Jim Tressel were both really good at. We're just like leaning in and going all in on that game, right? Like 
being out coached by an offensive coordinator is not is not good. Um, but not. you know, I yeah, I just don't. I appreciate the perspective, and from the outside looking in, I don't think he takes it seriously enough. I don't think he, I don't think he has a full grasp of it. As someone who understands Michigan hatred, right? Like I'm at the point now where like Michigan could be playing. Michigan could be playing Soviet Russia and I'd be carrying around it. I'd be carrying around a hammer and sickle. That's where, that's where I'm at with this, with, with Michigan. Right. Yeah. I don't uh, care yeah. who they're playing. I'm rooting for the, I'm rooting for the guys on the other side of line. Yeah. Oh, it's, you know, it's crazy. I mean, yes. Ohio State fans become Spartans that one Saturday of the year when you guys take on the maize and blue. Yes, we are all Spartans that day. You could not – Notre Dame, even though we beat them with 10 players on the field on the last play of the game, we're all like, come on, Buckeyes, you got to beat them. The I don't understand how Michigan fan lives their life knowing that the rest of college football can't stand them. And, and, I, and that's and that's coming from a Buckeye fan, and sometimes Buckeye fans can be pretty rude. Like we're 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 pretty bash, you know, bashful, you know. Like, hey, yeah, we're you know we're the best, right? Well, like it's crazy to me how that they don't see that. Yeah, I I, I don't either. I I saw a lot of sentiment um, on Sunday after the selection. It would be like, you know, it, we should come together as a conference and. And all this stuff, and a lot of a lot of white knighting for Florida State. It was just like, you know, it was eye rolling. Well, we came together as a conference. Go Washington! Yeah, I'll come together as a conference root for Washington. I'm not yeah. rooting for you. I'm not rooting for you, Jokers. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm never going to ever. So I do have a question for you before we get out of here, Spartan Dog. With everything that Eric and myself said about Kyle McCord and the situation there, you know, a lot of fan bases don't seem to understand, you know, like I said, why would you want to kick a guy out who was 11-1, especially his first year starting? Um, are you kind of more in that camp where you're like, man, Ohio State fans, you guys need to calm down. He was 11-1. and one. Or are you more in the, like, Hey, I get it. If he didn't beat Michigan, if you know he's the reason that they lost, you know, you got to do what you got to do. No, I even before I heard all about that, that was that is all new information to me. Eric's, you know, when Eric, my rant, <laughs> yeah, your rant that that was all new. That was all new info to me. Um, I didn't know any of that. Um, Ryan Davis fully justified doing that. Um, even if Friday entered his neighbor to the portal on his behalf, I, I, I would not. He I would not call blame him. And then he went out to the locker room like, "Hey, I just put you in the portal." Yeah. Um. But no, I. You know, even during the season when fans were complaining about Kyle McCord, I understood, right? Because there was, I just didn't see it, right? I thought he had potential to be a good college quarterback, um, but his ceiling was. He was going to end up on one of those TikTok slideshows where where it's like a picture of the guy with impact font, where it's like Kyle McCord threw for four thousand yards in twenty twenty four, and then it just and then it's a meme about like Josh Allen at Kentucky, and then you know like whatever like random college football player slides, right? Slideshows that I I understood from the jump why why Ohio State fans didn't like. Him, so. Let me I can explain this in in one simple 
explanation. When Marvin Harrison Jr. is called Maserati Marv, and Kyle McCord is called Honda, Honda McCord, Ford. that's all you need to know. <laughs> that is that is a six and six quarterback at best on a twelve and zero roster, is what that was. Absolutely. Uh, that's a part of it too that people have to understand is you know <clears throat> when you look at a quarterback who went eleven and one who had the stats that he had you know that's why you have to watch the games you have to understand that you know yes he had some deep balls but you know there's st- there are sc- still the glaring deep balls of when Marvin Harrison Jr. was running wide open nobody else had to stop and wait had to immediately stop wait for the ball like a putt and catch it um, and, and just other throws that. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. essentially gave him his five star <laughs> rating, and I think that everybody else figured that out. No wonder he went to the same school that Marvin Harrison Jr. did. Our, bo- our boy Aaron Brown has been preaching that for a while. Yeah, I think I heard him say it in the last episode, and and yeah. he's right. He's right. So, all right, Eric. Any more thoughts on the Ohio State stuff? Uh, oh, I meant to ask you. The future's bright. Still, I assume you still feel good about the future of Ohio State, even with all these transfer portal entries. Yeah, so um, I would not be surprised if 2024 is a rebuild year at this point. Let's rebuild the roster. Let's go young. At this point, if Aaron Nolan's our starter next year as a, as a true freshman, cool. Um, is, does it mean we might go 9-3, and 10-2, and two, whatever? I'm okay with that if you're willing to play the young players and let's build them and let's go build this thing the right way. Um, if you try to patch this thing, depends who you're patching with, man. Um, Cam Ward. I don't see. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I almost would rather go there, Nolan, and take my bumps and bruises. Interesting. Interesting. It's going to be a crazy year for Ohio State next year. We'll see. We'll see how it, how it goes. Spartan Dog, you got any more thoughts about anything before we move on? Uh, no. Uh, I, I'm, thank you for having me, JR. It's just been fun. Spartan dog, I tell you, if if things continue to go the way they are with basketball, if you guys just talk about bacon, I'm still listening. Okay, <laughs> that might have to that might have to be the pivot. I don't I don't know if I can learn all I need to learn about hockey. And, <laughs> next next on the bacon wire, we're talking about hockey and bacon, eh? <laughs> I love it. Let's do it. We have to start drinking Molson. It's just. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, hey, thanks so much to Eric for coming on. Thanks so much to Spartan Dog for coming on. And thank you to all those who listened out there. I want to reiterate the things we talked about with Kyle McCord's dad today are rumors. We don't know firsthand knowledge that those indeed happened, but they are being talked about by quite a few other people and sources out there. So uh, although they are rumors, they're not exclusive to us. They're talked about in other places as well. So thanks everybody for watching. Thanks everybody for being here. Have a great night.